You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 53. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie and welcome to episode 53. I am so excited to bring you another incredible interview and this is such a fun interview and you're going to get a ton out of it. My guest today, along with her business partner, makes six figures per month by blogging. And she's sharing how they've built multiple successful blogs with varying strategies over the last few years. But before we dive into the interview, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, then welcome. I'm Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook Ads, my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than $2 million in ad spend and served more than 800 students and clients. So we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And while I absolutely love teaching about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And my guest today has done just that. I am so excited to bring you my interview with Lauren McManus from createandgo.com. Lauren is a former CPA turned blogger, and she and her business partner, Alex Nerney, started their first blog in the health and wellness space. After earning six figures with that blog in their first year, they started Create and Go, where they teach others how to start and monetize their own blogs. And she now runs this blog full-time while traveling the world as a digital nomad. And I've had the privilege of hanging out with Lauren and Alex on multiple occasions. And while they're both a ton of fun, They are also super smart and strategic. Lauren and I cover so much in this episode, including the mistakes they made when they were first getting started online and what they would do differently today, what they did that led to doubling their income each month for five months straight, how they decided which products to create and how they were confident their audience would actually buy them. We talk about their traffic strategies for growing their audience for Create and Go quickly, why you don't need to get caught on the content creation hamster wheel to grow a seven-figure business and what you should do instead, the mindset shift that helped Lauren go from hating selling to actually loving marketing, where to focus on in your business to make the leap from six figures to seven and a whole lot more. As you can tell, there's a lot in this episode. And as always, you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 53. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number 53. All right, let's get into it. Here's my interview with Lauren McManus from createandgo.com. Hey, Lauren, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Monica. I'm so happy to be here. I've been on a few podcasts, but it's very rare that I actually get to be on them when I've met the person before because you and I have met at a couple of FinCons now um, in a row. So super, super excited to be here. Yeah, no, I've been following along your, your journey in the last couple of years when Natalie Bacon introduced me to your brand and your courses and was just raving about all that she was learning from you with Create and Go. And so anyway, it's been fun to follow along. And so I'd love to dive into, first of all, if you could just give the quick synopsis of who you are and what you do, how you help people in this online world, then I want to go back into like how this all became. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Lauren McManus and my business partner is Alex Nerney. And together we both run createandgo.com. That's our main business. And we teach our students how to 
create blogs and generally essentially just get out of their nine to five and through blogging. So creating a blog, learning how to get visitors to that blog, creating content and learning how to make a full-time income doing what, what they love, what they're passionate about, uh, what they have experience in. And uh, yeah, that's the main website that we run today. We actually got started blogging about four years ago now uh, with the health and fitness blog. At the time I was working full-time Alex was actually a personal trainer. So I had just been a vegan for a couple of years. And with his personal training background and nutrition background, we started a health and fitness blog. And essentially after being able to quit our full-time jobs and make a full-time income with this first health and wellness blog, this is what kind of launched us into the, the space of teaching other people how to do what we had done with our first blog. So that's kind of how we started creating Go. I love it. So, and yeah, I definitely know you didn't start off saying like, we're going to be bloggers and teaching people how to make money online. You started with the health and fitness blog. So take us back actually to like, when did this idea even start to start a blog? How did that come up with you guys? And like, were, was, there, was there some kind of inspiration of like, hey, this is a thing, let's go at it? Or how did, what did that look like? Well, it looked very different for, for me than it did for my business partner, Alex. Uh, at the time we were living in Dallas and we were dating and I was working as a full-time tax accountant uh, doing tax and audit at a small accounting firm. And Alex was again, a a full-time personal trainer. And at the time, uh, you know, he would talk about these big grand ideas of, of starting his own business. You know, he was already working for himself as a personal trainer, but he would always say, I'm tired of trading my hours for dollars. And I, I got that. I mean, I thought that making money online seemed like a really cool thing, you know, for people that did it. But <laughs> for me working as an accountant, I was good at it. And I had always planned to climb the corporate ladder in, in business life. That was always my plan. So it wasn't really an idea that I had. It was just something that Alex wanted to do. And he didn't know what that looked like at first. He had sold his first ebook in college, but all he knew was that he wanted to make money online in some way, shape, or form. And that was honestly the idea. It was never to, to start a blog. I wish that we had known back then that that's what we wanted to do because then we would have been able to kind of hone down on the right training when we were learning how to do it. But at the time, all we knew was that, you know what, we both have a passion and a background in, in health and fitness. And it's our favorite thing. It's the thing that we can't shut up about let's try to make money doing it in some capacity. And so Alex actually was was the one that started it. And for me, I just would kind of like look over his shoulder and help him with some of the design stuff here and there. But it was always like his thing. And then honestly, just the more I worked on it, whatever this thing was, it just kind of developed into a health and wellness website where we just talked about the things that we loved. I loved it. And, and that's how I kind of gravitated into the business. And we at some point just did it together because yeah, I loved it. And we actually ended up quitting our jobs before we were making even a dime with the website. Because at that point in time, we had been doing it for about three or four months and knew that, you know what, no matter what, we really, really enjoy this and we have enough savings to last us about a year. So let's try to make it work. And yeah, and that was kind of how we just dove in head first. And within that first month, we'd actually started making a little bit of income since we had all of our time now to, to devote to it. But uh, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell how I got onto that path. It was never the path that I wanted. Alex kind of definitely dragged me into it a little bit, um, but I'm so, so, so thankful that he did and that I'm on this path now. So, I mean, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we can see that it all worked out, but I'm thinking about, you know, Lauren, who's CPA. I mean, transitioning, leaving day job that sounds like a fully, you know, pretty stable job as an accountant. Was there any kind of like doubt in your mind that this was going to work or like you just knew that you guys were determined to make it happen? Like what were you struggling with any of those thoughts at that time? Yeah, I think that I was, but to be honest, and I think that that's where the passion kind of really just overcame everything else because at the beginning, I definitely, when Alex started talking to me about the idea of starting a business or starting something, I very much backed away from it. I'm, I'm definitely that type A risk averse person uh, as an accountant, of course. So, you know, I backed away from any and all ideas of it. And it wasn't until I actually started doing the thing that I kind of realized that I was, I was enjoying it. And that made the decision a little bit easier. But to be honest, I actually had just gotten my CPA, my certified public accountant license. 
I'd just gotten it like maybe a month before I actually quit my job. And I had been working towards that for years, you know, because I got my, in order to get it, I had to get my undergraduate and I had to get my master's degree and then sit for the CPA exam, which is, you know, kind of the equivalent of the bar uh, in the States. And so, yeah, there was definitely a lot of like, what the heck am I doing? I remember calling my dad and, and telling him <laughs> what I was, that I was quitting my job. And he was like, are you insane? And, you know, I don't know. I think that it helps that my business partner was so confident in it at the time. Alex has this like crazy confident energy when he gets on a new idea and it's kind of contagious. Again, combined with the fact that at that point when I did decide to quit my job, I had already begun to work on it. And I just really loved, I loved learning about WordPress. I I loved the things that kind of complemented my skill set at the time. It wasn't creative writing or anything, but it was, it was a little bit of graphic design it was the analytics and, and how the back end of our website worked. Alex did more of the creative stuff back then, and I did more of um, the back end analytical stuff. So it did kind of complement my skill set. And really, that passion was what drove that, that decision and did kind of leave some of the other things screaming in my head behind <laughs> to, to not do it. <laughs> so you said the first month after you quit your job. So before you quit your jobs and decided to go all in with the blog. You hadn't made money. And then you started making a little bit of money in the first month. Where did that money come from? So the first time we tried to make any money with our first blog, we actually, in that first four months before we quit our jobs, we started a blog, ended up scrapping it uh, because we created a product. Nobody wanted it. We didn't know who our target audience was. We didn't know how to sell this product, who we were selling it to. Uh, We just did everything wrong, to be honest, because we just didn't know what we were doing. And then the second time around, we did things a little bit differently. We started a new blog. We decided to focus on the visitors first, driving traffic through Pinterest and building up an audience and email list, and then trying to worry about monetizing that afterwards. So, And what that looked like for us in that, in that first month, it was actually affiliate marketing. We decided specifically to try to sell other people's products before our own after we again created that first product that failed, we didn't want to take that risk again to create a product without really knowing yet uh, whether we were ready for it, whether our audience was ready for it, what that would look like. So honestly, the first that first month was actually just about $170 worth of referring random Amazon products on our blog. Like, I mean, fitness-related products, health-related products. And so that was what we made, you know, the first $170 or so. And that we quickly realized though that that wasn't going to make us a whole lot of money very quickly. So from there, we moved on to affiliate products that were you know, offered on marketplaces like ClickBank and ShareASale, um, just other people's products that we could market to our audience, but at a little bit higher price, right? So rather than a few dollars, more like $20, $50. And that was kind of what really got us into learning everything that we've learned and how to monetize our blogs because it has turned into this experimental phase of creating a lot of different freebies to offer our audiences. We had different email lists for for recipes, for fitness programs, for weight loss programs, for yoga, all kinds of different things because at the time we were still trying to figure out where our specialty lied and where our audience was most interested in. And and this experimental phase kind of led us to learning more about our audience and that they were actually interested in weight loss and yoga specifically. And so fast forward, we kind of, we ended up selling a couple of affiliate products successfully through our email list. And then we decided, okay, we know what they're now interested in. Let's create our own products. And that is when things like really spiraled for us. So those those first five months of making any money with our blog, we actually doubled our income for five months straight, just beginning to figure all this stuff out. So that was a really, really big, exciting time for us and really the turning point and what led us down this like six-figure path. That's so cool. Okay. So I love that you're very, I mean, I don't know if it felt this way at the time, but it sounds like you were very strategic in testing a bunch of different things and then really paying attention to what the data was telling you and then creating a product, maybe from that first blog. That's why you were so strategic the second time around because you saw what didn't work the first time that the second time you decided to pay attention to what people actually wanted. Is that fair? 
Yes, absolutely. I think it's one of those things that the longer you're in business and the more confident and comfortable that you are with your audience, you don't end up having to double and triple check everything that you do anymore. You don't pay attention anymore to your email open rates or, or you know all these statistics because you begin to be able to rely on your skills in, in writing emails, writing headlines, selling products, this and that. But back in those days, we didn't really know what we were doing, right? We had to figure it all out. And even at the time, we still hadn't yet identified ourselves as bloggers. It's why on Create & Go, we so heavily identify ourselves and our audience as bloggers because we want them to know that what we teach is very much for them. Because at the time, we just thought we're trying to make money online. So that led us to buying courses on webinars and just everything under the sun except for what we actually really needed. At the time, we couldn't really find a good person or people to follow to get the help that we needed from. So yeah, we, we honestly, we did it all ourselves through trial and error. And back then we did have to look so hard at the data and, and analytics and look at open rates, look at uh, the amount of clicks we were getting to this email and that email, this funnel, that funnel, this product, that product. Uh, we used to tweak our sales pages constantly and, and look at the numbers there, our conversion rates. We did all that stuff. And thankfully now we don't have to get that into the nitty gritty anymore uh, because we've gained the skills to be able to um, to do that again now on Create & Go, replicating that process from our health and wellness blog. And that's, again, what we teach our students is all these different things that, that we learned um, through that trial and error. Awesome. So, and I'm one of your students too. I'm in your six-figure blogger program and you've got a number of different programs with the Create & Go brand. So where did that idea come from? So yeah, the idea actually was always, at least in Alex's mind, um, was always to try to get into the money and finance space online if there was any way. Um, you know, he had already sold his first ebook in college, and he knew that a lot of the big marketers and people in business were making a lot of income because generally in that niche you can sell products for higher prices. And we both have a business a background in business. Alex has a business degree. I have an accounting degree. I have my master's in business. So, and to be honest, we also learned over time through our health and wellness blog that the thing that we loved the absolute most was growing the business and was actually the business side of it. It was not teaching health and wellness. Uh, in fact, we began to lose a little bit of passion, unfortunately, for that because through driving a lot of traffic through Pinterest, our audience began to change from what we had intended. We had intended to attract you know, young 25-year-old somethings because that's what we were when we first started. But we actually ended up attracting more like the 40 to 50-year-old uh, woman who was trying to lose weight. So it was a market that we couldn't quite identify super well with. We could very much teach them what to do because we had the background in weight loss. But you know, on a personal level, we couldn't identify with them as much. So all these things in mind, we definitely loved our health and wellness business, but we really liked growing it the absolute most. You know, learning how, learning how to take it apart, dissect it, optimize it, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so, once we had hit the point of earning six figures with our blog, we were like, you know what? We want to share this with other people. We feel that we could teach people how to do this, you know, because our friends were looking at us traveling in Nicaragua while we were working, and like, what the heck are y'all doing? How have you done it? And but at the time, we didn't yet know what that looked like. So for us, the one thing that we knew that we could teach about that was honestly the biggest turning point in making money with our first blog was how to drive traffic with Pinterest. It was this platform of Pinterest that a lot of people are unfamiliar with, don't quite understand how it works. And it was one thing that we had been able to tap into. And at one point, we were driving over 500,000 monthly visitors to our website, all with organic Pinterest traffic, no paid ads, anything. And so that was actually how Create and Go started. It was we didn't really know what it was. Again, we called it Create and Go because all we knew is that we were creating content and going, as in like the travel part of it. And I remember we were in Nicaragua that first month that we started it, and the very first thing that we said that we were going to do was create a Pinterest course because that was what we knew about. And it honestly just kind of spiraled from there because we attracted people who wanted to learn Pinterest traffic, but then they also wanted to learn how the heck we made all this money from driving traffic through Pinterest. So then we actually created Six Figure Blogger, which was our, our most advanced course on creating your own courses. But then we had people saying, well, that's great. I want to make money and all that, but like, what do I write about? How do I get started? And so then we actually backtracked all the way 
to helping people start their blogs. And so Create and Go didn't start out for sure with this like one idea in mind and we just knew what we were doing the second time around. We did know how to monetize it. We knew a good bit about driving traffic and, and monetizing that, but we still had to kind of pivot a little bit to figure out who our target customer was. And that ended up actually being uh, the brand new blogger. So that's kind of how we really turned all of it into what we have today at Create and Go. That's awesome. Okay. So all of that is amazing. So the first time, I mean, okay, the first blog was a failure and you learned from your mistakes. We're able to create a second blog that actually succeeded and you became six-figure bloggers with the second blog. And then you did it again with the Create and Go space because you wanted to share what you were learning and teach others how to create this financial freedom online through blogging. So when did Create and Go officially get kicked off? Like what month are we looking at here? I believe that was July of 2016. So we had started the very first blog, I think July of 2015. And we had run that for maybe a month, month and a half, maybe two months. Created a product. We moved very quickly with that one. Scrapped that one. Then we started the other, the, the one that we have now, the health and wellness blog. We started that in August of 2016. So it was a year later that we started Create and Go. From September to September, that first year, I think we made $103,457.18. The number still sticks with me because we did use it as a marketing tool for Create and Go for, for so long. And you know, kind of our whole pitch on Create and Go was how we earned over $100,000 in our first year with this health and wellness blog. And everything that we did, our articles, our courses, everything is kind of exposing those strategies of, of what we used on this first blog. So now that was 2016, it's 2020 now. So we've been running it now for, for that blog for four years now. That's awesome. Okay. So 2016. And then it seems like that has also grown really fast. So what were your strategies there? Did you start off with Pinterest as well to drive traffic? Yeah, absolutely. We did. We started off with Pinterest again because at the time that was what we knew. So we started with Pinterest. But what we quickly learned with the, the business space compared to the health and wellness space is that the search volume for you know, topics in the business space are, they're a lot fewer and they're more competitive. So the health and wellness space, I mean, I think weight loss is like one of the top two or three most searched topics in the world. I mean, it's, it's got that much search volume. So it's a little bit easier to drive a lot of traffic there in, in that space. So with the business space, we were able to quickly get traffic on Pinterest and, and again, organic traffic, but we weren't able to get as much not only that, but our products were, you know, our product prices on Create and Go are much higher than they are on our health and wellness blogs. The health and wellness blog, they were averaging about $47, which was about the market price for those type of products that we were selling. Whereas the market price for, you know, average market price for the courses that we saw on Create and Go, they're anywhere from $97 to $1,000. So we were selling higher price courses and this led us into, you know, we had a little more trouble just selling from our articles. We did still sell through our email list, but this actually led us into starting a YouTube channel. And the biggest reason why we did this is because we are selling higher price products and that requires a lot more trust with your audience. And having your face on camera helps people to get to know you. And it's honestly, it's also less competitive. It's a less competitive platform than Google you know, just because it is a little bit harder to get your face on camera. So this seems like another really good way for us to kind of squeeze in and get a lot of traffic from another source, uh, especially with Google traffic. Google SEO traffic is amazing, as most people know, but it, it can be very competitive really for any niche if you want to get to the top of search. So that was kind of what led us into the video platform. Not only that, but we were now selling video courses rather than eBooks and online programs. So we knew that if we created these like free courses to help sell our products. Uh, you know, we're providing free video content to our readers and then they're, and then we're asking for a sale of paid video content. So it just kind of was a good match for the product offering that we had as well as uh, a great, great way to build trust with our audience. And your YouTube channel has grown really fast over the years. And I mean, exceptional content there as well. So what did your plan, like how did you initially get started with YouTube and like what was your strategy? Did you have a strategy there for gaining traction with YouTube and getting found? What did that look like? Well, so this is more of Alex's domain, but I can definitely speak to the the overall strategy that that we were using. And we definitely used a lot of the basics of 
you know, analyzing what kind of thumbnails we should be creating. And Alex has always been super into uh, creating headlines and, and that sort of stuff. So we definitely set up the videos properly, you know, keywording descriptions, that sort of stuff. But to be honest, I love our story about YouTube because if you look back on most of our older videos that were what grew our channel, they're honestly pretty bad videos. I mean, not they're not bad, but the quality is not very high. I mean, it's honestly, we were traveling a lot at the time and it's really just a lot of them are Alex just reading our blog posts to the camera. I mean, there's like this little photo, this little video of him in the bottom corner of the screen. And in most of them, his hair is a complete mess because he's just gotten in from surfing in Nicaragua or, or somewhere else in, in Latin America. And he's honestly just reading through our blog posts and just talking about them and teaching about them. And that's the type of content that grew our channel. I think, I mean, that was uh, about probably three and a half years ago now. And we have over 80,000 subscribers. And and we, we definitely could have more if we pumped out YouTube videos all the time. We now only produce a new video like once every three, four months. It's not, we still use it. We just, we're busy and we have a lot of other stuff to do. So we definitely could have grown it a lot, a lot faster than that. But those are the videos that we use to sell our products and to get email subscribers and get traffic to our blog. It's just, it's that simple. So people are very afraid of YouTube because they think that they have to be this beautifully super polished person and be super professional and the number one comments that we used to get or that we still get on our YouTube channel are just how honest and transparent we are. And those are the specific words that people say. And I think that there's just something about the relatability of, again, of not being so overly done up and professional that really just is relatable to our audience. And I think that's really helped to grow our channel and to, um, to sell our products. So I love giving that advice to people. It's just like, it's not about being better than anybody else. It's just showing up and being you and delivering the information um, that you can give to the world. That's great. Yeah. And I've seen that too. I mean, being in the course as a student in Six Figure Blogger, I mean, you guys definitely don't hold back and you'll add video modules in there or lessons that are like, hey, here are some things to watch out for or here's some things that we encountered and we wanted to give you a heads up that this has changed. And so you're very real and you don't hold anything back about like also the fact that you guys have put in a lot of work to get to where you are. And when you're in content creation mode, you're in content creation mode. When you're in course creation mode, you're in course creation mode and very focused on that. So I think that's been huge as well. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, before we, I, before I hopped on this podcast, I was actually updating Six Figure Blogger. I haven't updated that course in about three years. And I haven't needed to because that's the one course that we have where it's not reliant on a lot of changing softwares. You know, it's most of the strategies, they're the same. They haven't changed. We haven't updated the course. And I'm actually going through now and, and kind of inserting some of that realness that you just spoke about because I just screenshotted a picture of the presentation, the main presentation that we use. And it's this god awful yellow color. The presentations don't look great. And the ones that I create now for when I update our courses are so much better. So I've inserted some new screenshots and basically just told my audience, like, look, you don't have to be perfect. Like, this is what our course looked like. We're working on now updating it, but only now that we have the time and the money to do so. And as long as you're, you're delivering the information, the value that people need, you don't have to worry as much about uh, perfectionism for sure. I think that's a good point because I, I know that's something where I get like held up with myself. It's like, I want everything to be that like super top-notch quality. And so I know I can slow myself down with that. But I mean, the content in, in Six Figure Blogger is just fantastic. I mean, it's just as I was going through it, I was taking loads and loads of notes. I was taking notes in a Google Doc and I have pages and pages and pages. So I mean, the quality of the content is there. So it doesn't have to look all pretty and polished. I think that's a great reminder. So going back to... YouTube and also content marketing. I know one of the things that you teach in in Six Figure Blogger is just being strategic with your content, like knowing that each piece of content has a purpose. So can you kind of talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. That's the stage that we're at now. And that's why you know, we definitely could create a ton of YouTube videos and we could grow our channel too. We actually, we have another channel called The Health Nerd. It's got 400,000 subscribers and we grew it up to that point. And I think that one's about four years old now too. So we could grow it just for the sake of growing it. But we're in the stage now where we're not creating content just solely for creating content and getting followers. Every piece of content now that we create has a purpose. And 
And you know, you have to change your strategy over time as you grow. In the beginning, I think it is important to create a lot more content because you're still trying to identify what content people respond to the most, what helps to sell your product the most, what helps to get more email signups. You know, you're kind of focusing on all these different things. But once your business kind of becomes a little bit more established, you have your courses that are selling or you know, whatever, whichever way you're making money, you have you have your processes that just work, right? So not only that, but you, we now run a team, right? We have a few, five or six people on our team that we manage. So our time is very limited now. And I'm now I'm, again, part of my content creation now is actually just up to the existing content. Our blogs are four to five years old now, and we have to continue to update the content on the blogs to make them more relevant. So in terms of creating brand new content, we don't do this unless we really feel that there's something really, really important that our audience needs to know. We try to keep our blog, especially Create & Go, to having content that's always the most relevant to our audience at any given point in time um, and not having any fluff content, any articles on there that, you know, if anything flopped, we have since deleted that content or merged it into another article that's more relevant and more important to our audience. So our blog continues to evolve over time, but that's often a lot of updating things rather than creating that brand new content. And I think that that's what everybody should focus on because if you end up taking a few days to write an article or create a video on, you know, X, Y, or Z, that it's a little bit helpful, but at the end of the day, only a few people click on it. It's not going to help sell your course. It's not going to end up building a lot more trust with your audience or anything like that. You don't need to create content just for creating content's sake. And I think some people get wrapped up in that or believe that they have to continue pumping out content constantly in order to stay relevant. And I don't think that's important at all. I think that's the way that it used to be, but that's like several years ago. It was like, you know, the 500 word blog post that, you know, if you did that every day or three times a week, that, you know, that was the way to kind of get noticed. But I think you're right. I think Google and blog readers are looking for the content that's going to help them solve a problem. And so if you can write a post that's going to help them with that, you know, helps provide a solution, then it's going to convert better for you. But then also you're actually serving the reader in a better way. Yeah, it used to be that the algorithms, you know, Google, Pinterest, YouTube, it used to be that they favored brand new content and constant new content. And they definitely do, still do to some extent, but it's far less important than it used to be. You won't get, you know, extra bonus points just for producing content all the time. You know, so yeah, I definitely think that they're more favoring now. Uh, you, you know, YouTube is favoring content where uh, I guess you could call it evergreen content, right? That uh, maybe YouTube is a bad example because you can't update older content. But um, I know Google and, and other algorithms, you know, they're favoring content that just works. They just want to make sure that it's always, always relevant. So taking the time to continue to keep that content relevant, I think is, is way more important than creating new content. So we talked about how in your first year of blogging, you made six figures in one year. And then, I mean, before long, you, you guys started making six figures in a month and not just one month, month after month after month, and you share your income reports on your blog. So what has been the key to making that transition? It sounds like products were definitely key, but then being more strategic. Is there anything else that we would add to that that helped really make that leap in income? Well, I think that there are a couple of different ways that you can make six figures. And you either have to have pretty... You have to have very high priced... Not very high priced, but you have to have higher priced products or you have to have a lot, a lot, a lot of traffic. So there's kind of two different ways to look at it there. At one point, we made up to... I think our highest month ever with our health and wellness blog was we made $40,000. And we only made that much in one month. We kind of averaged twenty to 30000 for a while. Um, and that's, that's pretty high for health and wellness blog. And that's because the products are, again, only about 40 or 50 bucks. But we did that through having a lot of traffic to that blog. We focused more on driving the numbers rather than uh, having, you know, selling more products. So, but it's the exact opposite with Create and Go. With Create and Go, we have far, far, far fewer visitors, but our products sell from anywhere from 97 all the way up to our bundle of courses, which is 650 or 647 at the moment. So far less traffic, but we focus instead on building that relationship with our audience, selling via email. You know, we're on video more often with this audience. So we work more on the conversions and the higher price conversions. So I think that those are just a couple of different ways to get to six figures. 
but even more specifically than that, what has helped us kind of achieve this six figure per month mark is selling the higher prices, but it, um, it's a combination of selling our own products, but as well as affiliate marketing. We still do a lot of affiliate marketing, but it's kind of the same concept in that we recommend higher priced products, services, courses, uh, software, stuff like that. So it's all the tools that we use. You know, even with affiliate products, when we used to the first yoga affiliate product that we sold, we made five dollars a sale because the product itself was only about twenty bucks. But compare that to you know the affiliate courses that we promote, other people's courses, they could sell for three or four hundred dollars, and we get a good two to three hundred dollars worth of that course price. So I think selling higher price products in any niche is really the way to really, really, really grow your income. But it means that you have to very much know how to market and sell those courses. You have to learn how to build trust with your audience. You honestly, you just have to be, you have to be good at what you do. And that's what kind of sets people aside, you know, from the people who kind of do it more as a hobby or to make money here and there. And for Alex and I, our passion honestly lies in the marketing. It doesn't lie again in teaching people about how to lose weight, that original passion for health and fitness. It lies in the marketing. Like for us, it became this like fun game, especially with my accountant analytical brain. Like for me, when I began to learn that, oh, if I tweak this email headline, I get 10% more clicks to my sales page, which results in X amount more sales. You know, that's money in my pocket. When you control your income and you become more passionate about this sort of stuff, that's what made the difference for us. And I think that's why we grew so quickly and why we're, we're good at what we do is we absolutely love the marketing side of it. And we honestly use marketing in absolutely everything that we do from everything from creating that first keyword or topic idea for an article all the way to selling our products. It's in everything that we do. And I think that that's, that's the thing that a lot of people miss out on, or if it's a skill they're not as good at, they can fall short in that area as well. I love it. I think that's really important to pay attention to is that a lot of people like to be you know good at what their niche is about, but they have like this uneasy feeling around marketing or sales. So can you speak to helping somebody get over that if they're feeling like they don't want to you know, push people away by being too salesy or something like that? Like, What would you say to that person? Yeah, I can totally relate to that person because I was that person for so, so, so long. Alex is definitely more of the salesman. He's done cold door-to-door sales um, in a past life before we started blogging. So he has experience with that. And he can honestly take it a lot better than I can. I was definitely that person that where, you know, the first YouTube video I ever created, somebody told me that basically said that my voice sounded bad. They said I had vocal fry and I cried. So I, I totally um, didn't have as much of a backbone. And I can understand that, uh, especially with my accountant background. Like I, I wasn't in sales and marketing. I was an accountant. So we're good at the numbers. But I think that you, again, you need to find... Definitely find the way that works for you. For us, we used to be a lot more salesy in our emails and whatnot, but now we focus more on building relationships with our customers because making sales that way feels better for our audience. And I do think that you begin to learn that, honestly, when you don't have as much of a desperation for money. At the beginning, you're a little bit more desperate for money uh, because you haven't made me yet and you're afraid that you're not going to make any, so you're acting more out of fear and desperation. And so you tend to be a little more salesy or freeze up and, and not want to do anything. But honestly, it just, for me, learning those skills, again, came from paying attention to those numbers. And Alex used to write all of our content. I mean, like all the emails, all the articles, I was afraid to touch it. I didn't think I could write. I didn't think I had a creative bone in my body. I didn't like to do it. And I didn't want it to have anything to do with it. And now I write pretty much all of our content. He does the YouTube stuff, but I update all of our courses. I write our articles now. I write our emails, all of our launches. And I love it now. And it honestly just came for me. It was connecting the analytics and stuff that I love to making money and to also helping my audience. So I was able to overcome those fears by... You know, for instance, getting on video, I used to dread getting on video and it still makes me a little bit uneasy. But then when I have my followers and my readers thanking me so much for these uh, joint webinars I'm doing with ConvertKit and other companies, I've received emails like so much like you, you know, they've told me I didn't know that that was what I needed until you said it. It's that feedback from your audience as well as, of course, seeing the bottom line affect your bank account as well and knowing that these things will end up making you more money. 
So I think it's both of those things. So I would just say to try to shift your mindset a little bit towards finding joy and that. Don't think of it as this like gross, icky, salesy, you know, nobody's going to want to buy from me. Think of it in terms of if I can sell this product better, I can help this many more people lose weight or this many more people get out of their full-time job and make a full-time income. And again, there's no shortcut to doing this at the beginning. You'll just have to learn over time and it will get much easier. But when people start getting results from your product, when they start making money, I've now had people lose over a hundred pounds on my diet program. You know, one person losing a hundred pounds, like that's an insane life-changing thing. These are things that begin to make you feel more comfortable with how you speak to your audience and how you sell your products. I love it. So you mentioned a little bit ago about your team and about how you have five or six people. Can you share a little bit about when did you make your first hire? When did you guys decide that you needed to you know, bring somebody else on to help serve the business? And then share a little bit about like how your team has grown over the years. Yeah. So I wish I could say that we did this all at the right time. I suppose it was the right time because it was ultimately our gut decision that told us that it was the right time, but we definitely needed help way sooner than we got it. And I think that as bloggers and you know anybody owning their own business, to be honest, we tend to try to wear all the hats and we tend to have this mindset of, well, I can just do it better, right? You want to hire someone and be nice to have a little bit more free time to do this or that, but at the end of the day, it'll take you longer to explain it to this person and you can usually do it better, right? I know I definitely had that mindset at least. The very first thing that we hired out was for customer service. And that was because I was honestly just spending way too much time in our inbox and I was no longer able to use most of my time and creative energy towards creating new content, making our products better, doing networking, all these other things. I could no longer focus on the growth of our company. I was just stuck in maintaining what we had. And I think that that is a good way to look at it. If you are spending too much or more of your time maintaining what you have rather than focus on growth, that is your signal that you need to hire it out. And it's, and that's the type of work that needs to be hired out, the maintaining what you have already built and established. And it's hard, I know, to pass that on to other people. I struggle. I still struggle with it, to be honest. I still have this need to micromanage a little bit and to breathe down my team's shoulders a little bit. I've gotten a lot better and it's something I have to actively work on. But uh, it's more about the mindset and kind of when I'm doing a certain task, I now have to mentally check myself and say, is this something I should be doing? Is this the most important thing to growing my business? And am I the best person to do this? Um, I have to ask myself those questions. And if the answer is no, then I need to figure out which team member that I have to pass it on to. And our team has grown. We hired out customer service first. And then from there, it just grew to some social media help, to SEO help, you know, I think that it's really important for growth in most businesses is that you don't just take away most of the income that you earn. You do need to invest a certain amount into it. So things like Google SEO and stuff like that, Alex and I could learn it and we have learned a lot of it on our own. But there are certain areas of our business that we would rather hire out professionals. Some things like editing videos. You know, Alex now does have more professional videos that he creates for YouTube because we now have more time to be able to do that. And he's just honestly, he likes it and he's gotten a lot better at it. But we do hire out somebody else to edit them. Even though he can do it himself, it saves us the time. So it's those questions you have to ask yourself. You have to figure out what work do you really, really enjoy doing in your business and what work is absolutely necessary and vital for you to do, which is usually the top level growth stuff. And that those are the things that you should focus on and you should try to outsource the rest of it when you're at that level of maintaining. So I'm curious how you and Alex like plan the business because you guys are traveling separately. Is that right? Yeah. Alex actually doesn't do a whole lot of traveling these days. Okay. I've now been traveling two years or so and mostly outside of the US. I actually have a tax credit for not being in the US anymore. So I kind of bounce around month to month. Alex did travel for a little while. He did like a US States trip. And now he actually prefers to... I prefer to actually live in other countries. And I do generally still work about a nine to five in other countries, but Alex prefers to kind of hunker down for a few months uh, at home in Austin where he's at now. And then he goes out for a couple of weeks at a time, either with my brother or with someone else and does like Kentucky tours or, or other types of, of traveling. So yeah, we plan most of the business stuff, honestly, over Skype and we use Slack 
very, very heavily to communicate uh, with each other and our team to set up. We use Trello as well, uh, Trello and Slack to kind of do project management and communication with our team. Got it. Okay. Well, that's super helpful because I always, you know, we run a virtual business here too. And so I'm always curious about, you know, what tools are people using to like use for project management, communication, all those things, especially when people are in different parts of the country and also, you know, different parts of the world. So thank you for sharing that. So if somebody is, maybe they're at six figures now, but they're looking to get to seven figures with their online business and they feel like they are just having trouble bridging that gap, making that leap, where would you have them focus? What would you have them do? What would you have them focus on in order to make that leap? Well, I think there are a few different places that you should look into. You know, I, I do think it depends on what you feel pretty confident about. So, you know, we talked back earlier in this podcast about analyzing those open rates and opt-in rates and all, all those different things. So if you are at a point where you feel comfortable that you have enough visitors, people are clicking on your content, they're reading your emails, they're loving your stuff. If you feel pretty confident with that, then I think that you know that you maybe don't have to focus on traffic. If you're only driving traffic through Pinterest or through Google... If you have one source of traffic, you should definitely focus on another one. I think that ideally, two to three traffic sources. I think probably three, ideally, if you're trying to reach uh, seven figures. And for us, that has been Pinterest, Google, and YouTube. For other people, um, you know, it could be other things. But I think two to three traffic sources for sure. So make sure you're getting enough traffic. And on the traffic front, for sure, if you're not running paid ads, that has been one of the biggest things that we've done to scale our business because you don't have to sit around and try to wait for organic traffic. You don't have to compete as hard with all the organic traffic out there. Again, if you understand marketing, if you understand ads, uh, and if you don't, hire someone else out. I know that you're the Facebook ads expert for sure. And we have also hired some of that out ourselves. But running paid ads is one of the biggest ways to scale your income. And not only scale it, but it's helped Alex and I to kind of figure out what things are working and what's not working. So, you know, it helps us to test out not having to wait for organic traffic to test out ideas. So running running ads to different opt-ins, um, courses, all kinds of stuff. Paid ads is one of the biggest things that has helped us scale our business. And then I would probably again just look at what look at your product offering, look at how you're monetizing. If that's whether that's affiliate marketing or creating your own products, I do still believe that creating your own products is the one of the the absolute best ways to get to seven figures. So if you're not doing that, if you're just doing affiliate marketing or something else, you do need to think about creating your own products. Then again, if you already are, um, think about the, the price points that you hit. I know a lot of people start out at a lower price point, but if you've been in business for a little bit and you're you're making six figures comfortably and you're confident in your skills, try to think about transitioning into a more of a coaching or higher priced courses. There's a lot of people who have raised their raise the, the prices of their courses over time. It's something that Alex and I have considered You know, as we've grown. We're not at that point yet where we're really interested in it yet. I know Natalie Bacon is, is beginning to transition into that, especially as she's become a certified life coach. So becoming more and more of an expert in your niche and structuring yourself as that, having higher quality, higher price courses, using paid ads to scale. I think those are the things um, that honestly, all seven-figure bloggers and business owners are doing. I don't know about you, Monica, but all the ones I can think of are doing those three things. Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I always see that, especially, I mean, with our clients and everything, they're definitely using paid ads in addition to their organic traffic strategy as well. So that's huge. Well, thank you for that. What platforms have you tested for paid ads? I know I've seen your Google ads. Have you guys also done YouTube ads? Yes, yes. We've done just about everything. Pinterest ads, Facebook ads, YouTube ads, Google ads. Um, We definitely run the most on Facebook and we run quite a few on Pinterest as well. Pinterest, because that's our platform, it's the one that we know the most. And we we actually, we do hire someone out to manage our ads, but a lot of our ads are really because I think they're successful too, because we know our audience. I know some people try to hire out ads too soon because they don't want to learn anything about them. But then you end up having you know somebody managing your ads that doesn't always take the time to learn about your audience and, and what makes them uniquely you, right? So we more like tell our ads guy what we want to promote and he just helps us tweak some of it to kind of optimize it. So that's that's kind of our ad strategy is that we we do know a lot about it and we took a lot of time to learn about it before we hired it out. But yeah, we we do Pinterest because we know the platform, we feel very comfortable with it. And Google 
we do some Google. Um, and honestly, we do a lot of Facebook ads just like everybody else because that is probably the most successful ad platform out there. It's most expensive, but if you can get a profitable ROI, you can spend a lot to make a lot. So you know that that's definitely what we're using and what we know a lot of other people, our competitors and, and other bloggers are using as well. Absolutely. This has been so insightful, so helpful. Thank you so much, Lauren. Any parting words for our listeners today? No, I mean, I think I've covered a lot of it. Just whatever space you're, you're in, I, I hope, whether that's you know kind of beginning or whether you are at that six figures and you're trying to scale, I, I just hope that some of the realness that I've given today has is, is helped y'all realize that, you know, like I, I never, ever had a background for anything related to this other than, again, doing taxes. And here I find myself, I'm doing, I'm giving this interview from Panama and yeah, I just so amazes me that, that I've gotten here. So don't ever sell yourself short and forget perfectionism and just put yourself out there because yeah, just doing, taking action uh, rather than waiting around for things to happen is the best thing you can do to grow your business and learn along the way. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So last question, where can people go to find you? I know we mentioned YouTube. You also have a really active Facebook group that I'm a part of. Where else should people go? We'll put all the links in the show notes. Yeah. Um, honestly, those are probably our two best resources. You can definitely find us on Pinterest, but in terms of like actually interacting with us and learning about who we are, I think that YouTube and, and our Facebook groups, you can just you know search Create and Go. Those are our best places to, to find us. Alex and I are both on Instagram. We have one for our business, but it's honestly just in terms of time and realness, that's not a platform that has been good for us for traffic. We, we focus on other, other platforms. So Alex and I both have a personal Instagram account that we both use if you ever care about following more of our personal lives and our travels. But yeah, other than that, those are the best places to, to get to know us a little bit better. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lauren. This was super great. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Monica. It's always so fun to chat with Lauren and I so appreciate her coming on the podcast to share her blogging journey with us. I absolutely love what she said about letting go of perfectionism because that's something that I definitely struggle with. So it's good to get that reminder. And we covered so many topics and ideas in this episode. I'd love to hear your biggest takeaways. So share those with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 53, or you can tag us on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica and she is at createandgo.co. And you can find all the links and resources that Lauren and I mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 53. Thank you so much for joining Lauren and me today. If you're ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ads starter kit. And you can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through these six steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you love a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. And we have information there about our services. As I mentioned, I'll have all the links and resources that we mentioned today in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouie.com slash 53. And if you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast. It truly helps get the podcast be found by more people. And subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another amazing guest interview heading your way. So subscribe so you don't miss it. My guest is a dear friend and a copywriting genius, and she's sharing her top tips for writing copy that converts with us next week on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That's all for today. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish. Flourish.